Welcome to a quick mini-sode. Mini-sode. River Heights Radio mini-sode. River Heights Radio mini-sode entitled They Did You Wrong. Hi there everyone. Welcome back. I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. And today River Heights Radio is presenting They Did You Wrong, Ray and Rashi. We'll be discussing the mystery of the ivory charms treatment of these two characters and the entire Indian nation. Rishi being basically everything that the book wants an immigrant to be and Ray being everything that it fears an immigrant might be. Ray and Rishi are both othered, but Rishi is set up as the model minority and we'll talk about how that is more covert, but still harmful racism. Yeah, we're going to be talking about model minorities, covert racism, immigration, and patriotism. Refamiliarizing myself with the concept of model minorities and the dangers they're in, I read NPR's six charts that dismantle the trope of Asian Americans as a model minority, written by Connie Han Jong Jin, and it's a pretty short article with a lot of statistics. And she says, characterizing Asian Americans as a model minority flattens the diverse experiences of Asian Americans into a singular, narrow narrative. And it paints a misleading picture about the community that doesn't align with current statistics. Even as the idea of positive stereotypes, these are damaging things, right? Yeah. Right. I've been reading Slajov Zizyak, the Swedish philosopher. The Basically, the idea is that by categorizing anyone, you create an other because anyone who is categorized can only be defined against those who they are not so even by saying yeah this is what these people are like you are creating them as opposed to us and unfortunately i think as we're going to discuss a lot in this podcast us tends to be the default the white american the nancy drew and that's the default and everyone else is the other So this is a kind of a long quote, but I really appreciate it for talking about covert racism. Okay. Uh, Because covert racism is something that is much harder to point to and call out, therefore, Mm -hmm. but is just as insidious, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's ingrained. And that's why it's so hard to see. Covert Racism, Theory, Types, and Examples by Rodney D. Coates is the article. And he says, Covert racism, subtle in application, often appears hidden beneath or by norms of association, affiliation, group membership, and or identity. As such, covert racism is often excused or confused with mechanisms of exclusion and inclusion, ritual and ceremony, acceptance and rejection. Covert racism operates as a boundary-keeping mechanism whose primary purpose is to maintain social distance between racial elite and racial non-elite. Right, because you were pointing out that even in this book, as Rishi tries his hardest to be American, no matter what set of ideals we set up for, this is what it means to be American, a moving goalpost. If he meets all those, he still, to a degree, is other. And we have to ask ourselves, okay, so if it's if being American isn't about the set of ideals set up by Nancy Drew or whoever, then what is the difference? What's left? And it's, it's going to be skin color, right? It's going to be where they're from. And that means that it was never about those those rituals, those, those things that we said it was about. It was always about racism. The best he could accomplish was never acceptance truly, but mm-hmm. like toleration. Or even 
some form of celebration of his parroting. Yeah. Like you've you've done it. You've you've made yourself look the part. Well, and I agree that all characters in Nancy Drew novels are very flat, but you pointed out how very very flat their cultures are represented. Yeah, so Ray and Rishi, I found this so interesting because we're going to we talk a little bit about how the book treats Indian culture. But at their core, these characters being Indian doesn't seem to be core to who they are. It's thematically who they are, but it's not but who they are at their core is immigrants. Whether it's Rishi wanting to be more American or Ray saying I'm not American, it's not because they're Indian. Sure, you know, you get the thematic things like they have superstitions about elephants or speak Hindi, but you could just as easily say they speak Mandarin and have superstitions about pandas. And it's it just becomes thematic. Being Indian or any person of color is going to inform who you are because of the way you've experienced it in the world. Not because of the themes of your culture, but because of what it's like to be a person like that. And we don't see that other than their status as non-Americans. Yeah, whereas Nancy, I feel like, is similarly flat and therefore changes enormously between the books but always represents what that author decided was trendy at Mm -hmm. the time and you see other characters who are white like the swedish immigrant who are treated as non-americans and we talked we discussed positive stereotypes in that minisode as well right and nancy can be a lot of things in the ways in which she parrots americanism or you know nationalism But the one thing she can't be is other. Because she just, by definition, isn't other. But also I will say that there is, and and maybe this will come out better throughout the course of this mini-sode, but I feel like there's a sense in which even those other characters, though we could argue they're flat, at least have personality in a way that these two characters do not their personality Mm -hmm. doesn't always go back to them being swedish Mm -hmm. or always go back to nancy being a girl now we're going to be reminded that nancy's a girl and we're going to be reminded that that other guy is swedish but the character isn't always going to be brought up as the indian boy Mm mm-hmm And we saw that also in Secret of Shadow Ranch, where the only description they would ever give of Mary Deer was the Indian girl. Well, can you imagine Tommy in this book? If he stands straight, does he become regal? Even in absolutely normal actions. Well, and would he ever be the white boy? Or even Mm -hmm. the neighbor boy? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes they call him the mischievous youngster or something like that. And I could be wrong. But my point is, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is You you have a flat universe in which these characters are extra flat. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the first time you've seen a non-white character be so prominent Mm -hmm. and so positively described. And so you could look at that and go, oh, look, Nancy Drew isn't racist. This isn't a bad book series. I don't like to use bad, but like this isn't a problematic or othering book series, Mm -hmm. a racist series. Um, But that's 
just the the gilding that's just the gold foil sure on the outside patriotism itself is often a form of covert racism in the sense that it is talking about us versus any other country but also in the sense that it's talking about who is the ideal american and how do you achieve that and who can achieve that absolutely and as an as a abstract set of moving uh, values uh, it can always be placed where the other isn't Nancy Drew is always acceptable, and those she accepts are more acceptable than other people are, than those she doesn't accept. Well, even in small things we saw in the book, like Rishi being chided for wanting to enter the house without permission, even in Nancy Drew's own internal moral monologue in the same book about what's right and wrong, it's a moving goalpost for what's acceptable, because if she's doing it, it is good and it is normal and it cannot be other with any villain nancy has moral superiority Mm -hmm. but you're right this is really the first time we see her having moral superiority to somebody who is ostensibly a hero a big issue in this book is immigration Mm -hmm. and to me immigration is where our racism as a country becomes policy becomes law and affects people from all over the world yeah we were talking about how difficult it was in the 1930s for anyone of asian descent including india to get american citizenship yes the johnson reed act was a series of laws that made it nearly impossible rishi says you know i'm american boy now when he gets a pile of hand-me-down clothes but the fact of the matter is it isn't that easy any immigration quiz or test you know there's going to be things i you know i'm native born american i can't name every president uh but there are going to be these these questions these hoops that are almost ridiculous we've gone through times when we need the immigration we need the workforce but we have to make it difficult to some degree because if we are going to celebrate our position our higher position as americans over those who are not American, the other, then the value of what it means to be an American can't be lowered by it being given away. Mm. There must be sacrifice to be an American or what value is it to me mm-hmm. if, it can, if it's just something that can be achieved by anyone, which is often what causes the kind of derision and, and, and covert racism that causes people to ask, where are you from? Because there has to be an othering or what I have is not valuable. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And in the 1920s and 30s, it was very difficult to come to America for people from India. And even if they could, they couldn't bring their families Mm -hmm. because we needed them. We didn't need their families. America needed what it needed. Even if they were here, if they did anything criminal, they were gone. I mean, absolutely. Far from Ray's claim that because he's not American... And again, I'll point out, he doesn't say because he's Indian. He doesn't say because he has his own diplomatic... Because he's not American. He is other. Uh, He doesn't have to follow our laws. For merely the act of walking out on his job as a a circus performer, he's likely to be in trouble with, with the American government. That alone. Much less abandoning a kid and telling everyone he doesn't have to follow American laws. Certainly acceptance within communities would not have been achieved. Well, and he wasn't, right? There are shifting stereotypes here, and this is just to excuse and keep us, I shouldn't keep 
say keep us, but yeah, keep us, keep white people, keep the racially elite in this country elite. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, we need to be the ones who get to decide at any time who is excluded or included. Our values can shift and we can make decisions based off those values. We can decide whether somebody adheres to those values well enough or not well enough to be American, but as you pointed out, ultimately, no matter what, Rishi is not going to be seen as American. Now, let's dive into the actual text of the book. Okay. When we meet Rishi, he's described as a handsome, olive skinned boy of about 12 years, wearing a bright green tunic over straight legged white pants. And this image is furthered by his performance. As everyone agreed, the little acrobat from India was the best performer. Rishi, from the beginning, is seen as a positive light. He's seen as entertainment for the white audience mm-hmm. and therefore as valuable mm-hmm. uh, to white people. Yeah. When we meet Rishi, standing right behind him is Ray. Yeah. And by contrast, Ray is a tall, slender man dressed in a long, exotic-looking gown and turban. He carried a whip and a metal-tipped stick. It's being made clear through covert racism who is the unacceptable other. Rishi is wearing a tunic. A little bit of exoticism, but, you know, straight white pants. But then the same thing on Ray is exotic. With a turban of all things. Mm. Um, Really pushing the otherness of one versus the other. Exotic is always, let's say this as if it's a good thing, but we're really othering. But it is other, yeah. That Ray has a job that is by nature threatening to some degree to white superiority. Ray's job is to be in control of these animals. Ray's job is to exert power. And the way he does it is with a whip is with a metal rod by nature he is exerting a strength that makes us uncomfortable that he has it to be clear george points out that these elephants are a threat to to the, the human life audience. yeah yeah to very human life and uh and yet the idea that he's exerting power does make add some level of discomfort to our knowledge of him rashi on the other hand when he manages the animals interestingly the model minority he doesn't exert power he speaks to them as equals calm yourself friend by by lowering himself as an equal to the animals we're okay with the power he exerts because it is not one of power over the animals but cooperation with the animals and what does that say of how we view him and it also fits in to the myths we want to tell the story Mm, we want to tell it makes rishi this animal whisperer mm-hmm. that's like fun and, and cool and instead of somebody who might question us in any way or cause any sort of problem to us mm-hmm. as white people. George's biggest complaint about him is he's not proud enough about his son. Bess implies that he might be, or not implies, says he might be jealous of his son mm-hmm. because his son is getting attention. So... They decide he looks like he he looks like he's eaten a box of tacks. <laughs> so my I I think he honestly just didn't smile and submit enough. Mm-hmm. No, he exactly. talks to Nancy as if he's her equal, or even God forbid, superior. 
it is telling that Nancy stands up to him and scolds him about his parenting when she's never done that to a man before. And what an interesting quote. Not in America. Not in America. Now, is that something that Nancy would say to anyone who's mistreating their child? You know, what do you mean not in America? You know, not on Earth. Not in this time zone like what she certainly doesn't say that to the woman in the twisted candle in absolutely who hits yeah yeah who she only stands up to because she's directly right there and involved in active hitting so done by this woman in active threats right and so when she says not in america she specifically says there are two things america and other you are from other but cannot act like other in america even though you are Ray has a whip, mm-hmm. and he quote-unquote brandishes it as he says, you will be punished for neglecting your job, Rishi. Mm. But he does not hit Rishi or even no. directly say, I will hit you, before she tells him, don't touch that boy. Which he has, in my opinion, no right to do. But after she says that... Right. Uh, what is the quote? This is my son. I can whip him if I want to. I am not subject to the laws of your country. We are from India. Rishi, you will be punished for this. He even then doesn't say he's going to whip him. Only that he will if he wants to. Mm -hmm. And that Nancy can't say anything about it. And And that he's not subject or subjugated. Exactly. By American law. And, and that's the thing, is he doesn't immediately back down. He doesn't he doesn't accept 18-year-old Nancy Drew as an authority on his parenting skills. Is, and for this, he is villainized. Is Ray my new favorite character? <laughs> well, he did kill a kid. Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> George hears Rishi speaking to the elephant. Yes. In what we know is Hindi. But she immediately feels the need to comment and said... I guess he's talking Hindi. Yeah. Which, there's no reason for her to really say that. No, just a treatment of him as a novelty. Yeah, and the book itself goes on later to talk about how many languages India has as if it's a really bad thing. As Ned says, I understand that in India, several different languages are spoken. Amongst them, Hindi, Maharati, Urdu, Gajarati. Boy, that could make communication between different regions difficult, couldn't it? Says Nancy. Like, I guess. It's not like we have an official language here, despite what you might want, Nancy. It's ridiculous. So yeah, Ned's just spouting off all this information. Meanwhile, George is like, Nancy's definitely in the, we Probably speak Hindi. English in America. Right, camp. right. Speak American. So this is like just flattening and othering immediately. Ray speaks perfect English throughout the book, but Rishi, in his introduction to Nancy, apologizes to her and says, Rishi not speak English much. Mm-hmm. He speaks English. It's yeah it's broken i think he doesn't know how to other than not knowing how to decline a few verbs like it's pretty good stuff yeah the entire reason nancy is at this show to begin with is that mr strong mr strong the (laughs) owner of the wild animal show feels suspicious of him because he feels quote-unquote there's something sinister 
behind Ray being in the country, even though he has, quote-unquote, the proper credentials. That's the most racist shit. Like, can you imagine the episode of Psych where Sean's just like, hey, I need to see your green card? Like, what the hell? Profiled by a man who has his papers. A man profiting from him. Who decides to hire a private detective (laughs) to find out his background and even then all she does is is show up steal a kid and he and he leaves it's 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 harassment mr strong calls ray a strange person he's very secretive thinks it is perfectly all right to disobey united states laws because he is an alien this is the fear this is what we fear the immigrants will do they'll come over here they'll bring their customs in our country we know not to yell at white girls like what (laughs) they don't i don't know but it's it's a hundred it's the other to give you some background it's one of the least changed books between the 1930s and the 1970s editions while there's so much it's easy to take away from other books it seems that in this book they thought this was all okay definitely under the radar under the radar yeah i think for a lot of americans Mm -hmm. well they're saying nice things Mm mm-hmm But it becomes more messed up when you realize how hard it was for people from India to immigrate to America in the 1930s when this was originally written. And some of the consequences they faced, right? So I read an article called The Truth Behind Indian American Exceptionalism by Mm -hmm. Arun Venu Gopal. It's a very interesting article. It talks about some of the history of immigration from India to America and how immigrants were treated. I'm not going to go all into that article, but I wanted to talk about some of the things he touches on. He talks about Bhagat Singh Thind, who fought in World War I for the U.S. Army, and Oregon granted him citizenship Mm -hmm. in 1920, but it went all the way to the Supreme Court, where they ruled that... He was not white in the understanding of the common man, so the Supreme Court revoked his citizenship. And the concept was that Indians mm-hmm. were Aryan, and so therefore they were close enough to white, mm-hmm. basically, to be citizens. But this ruling said, no, that is not true. While we do recognize they are Aryan, they are not white mm. and therefore cannot be citizens. And so it became nearly impossible to gain citizenship if you were from India. And if you had already been given citizenship, it was revoked. Yeah. So one person this affected out of many was Vaishno Das Bagai. And he immigrated in 1915 with his wife and his three sons. He came over with $25,000 in gold. He said to the officials, I just want to use my gold to start a business, which he did. He started a chain of basically five and dimes. Little convenience store type things. And I want to get my three children an education, an American Mm -hmm. education, and I want them to become Americans. Um, He spoke English already, and... uh, But he ended up losing a lot more than his citizenship, huh? Yes, he became a naturalized citizen, citizen, uh, was doing pretty well for himself, experienced a lot of racism. Sure. Uh, But in 1923, 
his citizenship was revoked and all of his property and all of his property including his stores were liquidated dang he ended up taking his own life and writing a farewell letter about it, which was published in the San Francisco Examiner. As Arun Venugopal points out, the notion of model minorities comes with a flip side, problem minorities. Yeah. If you're a model minority, the fear is always, if you step out of line, you're a problem minority. When you define something as one thing, you create the other definition, which is the other. You know, the good ones which means the bad ones, this whole time, the secret thing we're doing is we're defining them all as the ones, them, good or bad, model minority or problem minority, you still you know, don't fall into the realm of the, the Nancy Drew, the true American. Venugo Paul talks about Nikki Haley, who was Trump's former UN ambassador, yeah. whose parents arrived in the 1960s, and she said, mostly, we're good at being Americans. And he talks about what she probably means by that, is that Indian Americans were considered having close enough values to American values as to be accepted. Those values are a moving goalpost. Even if you fit the role of Americans so well that you end up in Trump's cabinet, Mm -hmm. it's still just pretty good. You're never going to meet that X factor, which is whiteness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In 1965, there were sweeping changes to the law, but... There was still a lot of preference to reuniting families and mainly to professional skills. Mm -hmm. So mainly the thing is that no matter what, Ray is assumed to be doing something shady. As Mr. Strong says, I haven't caught him in anything illegal, but I've told him many times that if he doesn't change his attitude, he will certainly get into trouble with the authorities. You imagine your boss just being like, hey, I haven't caught you. But you better change your attitude or I'll call the cops on you. And I feel like this is a thing that white bosses or white people in general do to people of color. By saying something vague, like change your attitude. Right. Which a boss has a right to say and might say to white people as well. They can be like, what? What did I do wrong? I'm just asking you to change your attitude. But I have personally in my life seen this as a microaggression Mm -hmm. done to my coworkers who were people of color. If we're looking at Ray versus Rishi, they say uh, say of Rishi in the book, he was erect and had such regal bearing that others were convinced that a man like the cruel dictatorial Ray could not be his real father. To, To have a good attitude or... Or to certainly be um, acceptable, you have to be so prim and proper as to be regal. And more importantly, you have to be eager to please. Even Nancy, as she as she encounters Rashi and Ray, she loves Rashi, but Ray she has nightmares about. Without even knowing him as much of a villain, other than to have a whip, the specter of the towering Ray decked in his long gown and turban, kept reappearing in her mind. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not his whip. It's not, oh, he shows up beating animals. It's his turban that shows up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Then Ugapol talks about Dalip Singh Son, who in 1956 became the first Indian American elected to Congress. Mm. It was such a big deal that the CBS TV crew shadowed him for his entire first day in office 
And early on in his career, he wore a turban, but at some point he just stopped. Mm. And in 1959, Son sat for a TV interview, and Arun Vengupal says, The interviewer seemed to be saying, see how far you've come, see how far we have brought you. So this goes back to the concept of, like, white saviors. Rishi is acceptable because we can save him. Basically saying to uh, this congressman, delete the American congressman now. Yeah, yeah. Because he's got the clothes. Yeah, because so even if you did everything right, you had all the right values, you lived the American dream, you succeeded. Where's your, where's your suit? We are going to take ownership still as white people of your success. Mm -hmm. Because it is us and our country that saved you from what would have certainly been a hellish existence if you listen to dr stockpile about it <laughs> yes why are we so sorry for rishi and so eager to save him or mm. assume he needs to be saved and why are we so scared of ray and willing to villainize him based on very little evidence i mean rishi says oh he would punish me he doesn't say oh he would beat me within an inch of my life whether villainizing Ray or infantilizing Rishi, we're taking power from them and putting ourselves above them. Well, and we're fitting them into roles that we can digest. And control. And control, yeah. And you pointed out we don't fear Mrs. Allison in the same way. Right. Even though she is a villain. And it's not assumed immediately that she even is, as it is with Ray. As Ray demonstrates that he has power. And is unwilling to immediately submit. We get a quick lesson about India from Dr. Stackpole. Oh my god, yeah. First, he tells Nancy, It's the most fascinating country in the world. You would love the temples and the great bazaars where native wares are bartered. It's immediately such a condescending tone. Like... The value of this whole entire country is if it can be useful to us or be beautiful to us. So we like its art, we like the goods, we like to consume this place. Certainly Dr. Stackpole doesn't say, oh, it's a wonderful place, you would enjoy the technology sector. Certainly he doesn't praise their pharmaceutical research or... I think certainly focusing on shopping when talking to Nancy is a form of sexism we have seen. Oh, that's interesting. Many times. And yeah. I wondered if that played into it. But nevertheless, it is a weird way to talk about a country. I think this relates to Mr. Tillich, mm-hmm. who is, in the end, Rishi's true father. The deposed Raja. He goes between India and America, apparently regularly. And he's allowed to do this because he's an art dealer. He's bringing imported goods. And this would have been one of the few acceptable. Yes. 30s acceptable reasons for somebody to be here from India. Mm -hmm. No sooner has he piqued Nancy's interest in this other country. It gets spooky with it. He's like, but this is why it might horrify you, Nancy. (laughs) The first thing he lists is that they have a caste system which is completely ironic because this whole book is basically about restoring Tillich and Rishi to their titles of of royalty yeah and they constantly are referring to the regality of 
Rishi. On an almost eugenics level. Like, he deserves to be royal because he's got that really straight spine. And this isn't too far removed from what we've seen so far in Nancy Drew, even in terms of we compared this plot to the previous plot in The Secret of Shadow Ranch, where a young girl was determined to not be the actual child of her custodian. Because she deserved a better station. Basically because <laughs> because she exhibited better traits, angelic and traits. Nancy herself is, in so many ways, a celebrant of the American caste system. Yes, she certainly benefits from it. Mm -hmm. So the second thing he mentions is the sanitation in some parts of India, which is a problem, no doubt, I think, in the 1930s in certain parts of America. I mean, right? (laughs) Probably today. And also just goes back to this racism that says, oh, this other is dirty. Well, and moreover, you say... India's a fascinating place, but here are some horrible things. The sanitation. Bad sanitation isn't a cultural marker of of India. Even if it's something they have dealt with in places or have had difficulty with, it's it's not like core to being Indian to not want to wash your hands. He talks about sanitation and it's immediately tied in with religion. Which he calls superstition, basically. He talks about religion and he talks about how they wash themselves in the river Ganges and people with skin diseases go into the water and people get sick. And so now he has summed up a vast and complex country full of diverse religious beliefs Uh as people who get into a river and get sick, basically. Meanwhile, everyone over here is sipping wine out of the same cup every Sunday or getting baptized or how many freaking bodies of water has nancy just dove into without even knowing if there's a log in there she went into a limestone quarry once oh gross right (laughs) so then the fourth thing we've already touched on is how they have multiple languages the very idea yes the tower of babel over there yeah let's ignore that native americans have many different tribes and many different languages in america and that we are not supposed to have an official language many things would terrify you nancy the lack of homogeny (laughs) another thing he talks about is how young girls get married in india he says people would consider it a disgrace if a girl were to get married past 16. Uh, I love on YouTube Big Joel. He did a whole thing on these propaganda films from the 50s, and there's this real sense of a lack of history. This is kind of how things have always been. And it just reminds me of this because, oh, they do th- they marry girls young, as if that's just kind of always been the American norm. Let's make sure our teen detectives don't get married too young. And as if Nancy isn't an exception. Right. First of all, she had to be changed to 18 mm-hmm. from 16. Mm-hmm. Her friend Helen gets married very early on in the series. Right. Uh, I believe Helen was a few years older than her, but still. To be fair, though, her husband's in oil, so <laughs> you want to get into that. <laughs> it was not abnormal for an 18-year-old to get married. It would be again impossible to 
sum up a country as this is what everybody does. Right. And it would be impossible to sum up a country as you would be horrified by this country. Absolutely. Everything about this is setting up Dr. Stackpole, Nancy, and Ned as the moral right. Right. As the cultural right. And these facts are said with the indifference of someone telling you that the Illinois state tree is the maple. The oak. Uh, (laughs) You learned nothing. (laughs) But, I mean, it's just like, oh, you know, and in India this is what they do. It's like, maybe some, but, like, how is this helpful, doctor? Because last he talks about how superstitious they are in India. Which he, he does tie to religion, right? He basically talks a lot about a lot of different gods and the jewelry and temples and as if we don't have prayer beads and saints ned says in the end i'm glad i live in the united states i mean other than just like ned shut up this quote hit home with me because as he's told about these horrors of india ned doesn't say i'm glad i don't live in india he doesn't say i'm glad i don't have to deal with those things he says i'm glad i live in america once again stating what is the default It is America. This is the good place. And India, like the other places, is spooky. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, I'm glad I'm not born in any of those other places where they do things like have too many languages. Or they do things like aren't American. Where I don't have the same privilege I have here in America. (laughs) Which Which you very well may. You know, I mean, there's many places where Ned could be as happy and healthy as he is in america and yet it's it's all not america it's all not it's all other but certainly it'd be more horrifying for someone like ned to lose any privilege to lose any of that basically all this comes down to rishi is the model minority Mm -hmm. and ray is the not (laughs) the non-model minority yeah the, the, the 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 feared minority arun venugopal talks about the uh, positive stereotypes that were associated with Indians. Mm -hmm. When Nikki Haley says we were good at being Americans, he suggests she means that Indians were considered family-oriented, education-oriented, and work-oriented. Rishi, first of all, wants to be an American. Right. He is eager to be an American. This is the first thing that Americans want to see out of immigrants i mean there's no way to have control over someone who's not going for the carrot on that on the end of that stick yes and ray certainly has no interest second of all i would argue rishi is family oriented his whole focus is to find his real father and to please nancy and his basically adopted family for Mm -hmm. this book whereas ray is motivated mostly by himself by his desires his wants and what he's independent He kills his own son because it's his destiny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe Ray's not my favorite. Rishi is especially Mm education-oriented. Rishi, as he says, burns much midnight oil. I mean, I don't know uh, what Ray's opinion is on education, but I do know that that the kid uh, in his life doesn't speak the English that even he does. So Mm -hmm. certainly he's not getting tutors or anything. Dr. Stackpole calls Rishi a brilliant student. Mm. And if there is one paragraph that sums up how much of a model minority Rishi is, Uh it is this paragraph. Rishi delighted everyone by devoting himself to his studies with great zeal. 
when he was not working about the garden, he would retire to his room, where he could often be heard reciting his lessons aloud. So he's going to work hard in the garden, and he's going to study hard in his room, and he's going to stay out of the way, where, as you pointed out, Ray does know English, he is intelligent, but that's almost a bad thing. Right. It's, um, it's not an intellect that he earned that we see him struggling for. Intelligence, when merely an attribute of someone who we see as not only other but dangerous, almost becomes a sinister thing, a slyness or a sneakiness. In the same way that his absolute strength is horrible because he overpowers George and Nancy. Mm-hmm. It just becomes a part of this superhuman villainous myth of a person. Yeah, I mean, a myth is absolutely right. Ray is a skilled worker. Uh, that's probably why he's even allowed in America, even within the premise of this whole book. But, I mean, he's willing to just walk out on his job. You don't need to be other to be someone who certain people are not happy are walking out on their jobs we're getting a lot of job walkouts in this day and age (laughs) but at the time i mean you know yeah he he, you should be connected to this thing you should be dare i say shackled to your job and we've seen this we've seen characters like rishi with hannah for example who hurts herself but still can't stand to stop working right or the twisted candles orphan who just needed to be doing something just needed to be working that puritan work ethic rishi cannot not work he gets up at 4 a.m every day he washes their cars he he take tends to their garden Mm -hmm. so he very much fits the stereotype of hard working i never know whether to identify with nancy or white people i'm terrified that our listeners are going to find out that i'm white (laughs) well i don't want to default to saying us but and and to some degree i probably just don't want to accept that i am part of this problem yeah i want to immediately say no that's not me but but we all need to decolonize our own our own uh, minds and we all grew up in a system that was pretty racist anyway it's complex certainly i would say whether this novel is set in the 30s or the 70s the situation is pretty racist and pretty unfair to both Rishi and Ray. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's very interesting how little was edited, despite how much immigration laws changed between the 30s and 70s. For Ray, it's more obvious why he was done wrong. Mm-hmm. He's profiled, he's discriminated against, and he's villainized well before there's any evidence that he should be. For Rishi, it might be harder to see, but once you see it, you can't unsee it, how he's just this boy who so badly wants to fit in and wants to conform Mm. to what's being sort of presented as the ideal. Arun Venugopal talks about how he never lived in fear as a brown person growing up. Uh, His family was wealthy. They immigrated in the 70s and lived in a rich neighborhood in Texas. But he knew better than to talk to white people about his home life. Mm -hmm. He knew that they might find his fridge disgusting 
or determined that his religious beliefs meant he would go to hell. That he might be othered. And, yeah, he knew that he didn't have those privileges and would be othered. Well, I think I speak for everyone here at River Heights Radio when I say Ray, Rishi, and, you know, the rest of India. (laughs) They did you wrong. They did you wrong. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to another River Heights Radio mini-sode. I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. Until next time, go Go Wildcats. Wildcats.